Hi everyone, you're listening to the Third Coast Podcast, I'm Dennis Funk. We're almost halfway through our important year-end fundraiser here at Third Coast, and we're extremely grateful for all the donations we've received so far, but we still need your help. Your gifts are the foundation for all the work that we do. That includes our ever-growing audio library at thirdcoastfestival.org, our competition, conference, and this very podcast. To donate any amount, large or small, just visit our website, thirdcoastfestival.org, and click on the red box with the picture of Pidgey sat on it. And don't forget, we're giving gifts all this month long too. If you make a donation of any amount by Wednesday the 17th of December, you'll be entered to win a really cool Lexon Mini Dolmen Radio. Uh, If you Google that, it will be the one with the gorgeous looking wood finished case. It's really nice. And one last announcement before we start this week's podcast. We're searching for two interns here in Chicago. One to help us with this year's Third Coast Short Docs Challenge and another to work on ReSound. For details and deadlines about both of these, head to thirdcoastfestival.org where you can find out how to apply. I need to change gears a bit now because, as you might notice from the title of this week's podcast, we're doing something a bit different. Instead of sharing a ReSound repeat, we decided to play two of our favourite 2014 Little Mermaid Award entries. If you don't know what The Little Mermaid is all about, or why it has such an odd name, here's the award's creator, This American Life host, Ira Gloss, to explain. So I suggested creating this award uh, to Johanna Zorn, who runs The Third Coast, because there's a kind of story that I really love that uh, usually does not win awards, and that is a story that is just out for fun. And uh, I love making these stories, I love hearing these stories. They usually do not win awards because the stakes are very, very low in these stories. Like, lives are not in the balance, they say nothing about the important issues of the day, they provide no insight into the zeitgeist whatsoever. Jonathan Goldstein, uh, who these days is the host of Wiretap, did a totally memorable story like this on This American Life years and years ago, in which his friend Josh relentlessly ridicules and teases him, the word they use in the story is bitch slap, into doing a radio story about a voicemail message, a voicemail message that people passed around at the college that Josh attended. The key sentence in that voicemail message, left by an irate mother on her son's voicemail, is you and the Little Mermaid can both go fuck yourselves. So um, in honor of that great moment of American parenting and that great moment of radio, we are calling this award The Little Mermaid. There were two winners of this year's Little Mermaid Award. One about a very long bus trip from Chicago to Mexico, and the other about a man who occasionally writes poop songs. But there were loads of other entries that had the whole Third Coast crew laughing. One was this first piece about what happens when we try to disconnect from technology and escape to nature. Here's producer Amy Pearl. In August, life is supposed to slow down. But in the city, it's really annoying. It's super noisy. It's hot. It's smelly. And everyone wants to get together. Just got your email about dinner tonight. and uh... They're calling you, texting you. Calling to remind Amy of an appointment. Amy, it's mom. It's four o'clock. I'm nervous. Where are you? So I thought, why not get away from it all? Go into the woods and hike for a couple of days on the Appalachian Trail. Bring my dog. Totally unplugged. Almost. You ready to go? Oh, I'm ready. Kelly, you gonna hold the boom? Oh. <laughs> 
pretty cute. Yeah. Thanks for the math. Oh, enjoy. All right, let's go. The Appalachian Trail passes through some of the most densely populated areas in the U.S. It dips down into towns and crosses roads. And I was joining up with it in Pauling, New York. 8.4 miles. Turn right on Road 22. Well, this looks like it. Let's get our stuff together. Don't cry, honey. I could see across the road the big white blaze marking the trail, and we started walking. I think I left my cell phone in the car. There it is. I hadn't gone out on a hike like this for a couple of years, and it felt good to get back on the trail, under the trees. I knew I'd run into other hikers, and I wondered, how do they deal with it? The demands of always being connected, while trying to get away from it all. I could still hear the road when I ran into a group of thru-hikers. Those are people attempting to hike the whole length of the Appalachian Trail, from Springer Mountain, Georgia, to Katahdin, Maine. It usually takes about six months. These were northbounders. So they'd probably been walking since sometime in March or April. And every single one of them had their cell phone, including Smiley. That's not his real name, by the way. That's a trail name. We don't generally use our real names out here. It's sort of a different persona, I guess. I'm Argo. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I do a lot of Facebook, a lot of blogging, and I really think it helps people connect back home to know what I'm doing, to know that I'm safe. And Jayhawk actually upgraded to an iPhone on the trail. It's an iPhone. My first phone broke, so I had to get a new one, and I had to upgrade, and this was like 99 cents, so. I think almost everybody I've met has a, their cell phone. So are you on the trail to get away from that kind of thing? or Not really. Blogging, photo editing, buying phones, this was a bit of a culture shock. You gotta remember, these hikers had traveled almost 1,500 miles on foot to get here, sleeping out, carrying everything they needed on their backs. Yet, they seemed really comfortable having technology in the mix. I mean, a lot of people, when they go for a shorter hike, they just turn off their phones uh, or they leave it in their car. I met Buttercup from Seattle. But I think for such a long hike, I mean, my family would be worried about me. Down south, hikers can go for days without a signal. But up here in the north, cell service is pretty good. And all the thru-hikers I met had their cell phones. And they all used them to stay connected. Brown Town, Nutella, Red Specs, Crank. The trail is crowded. After all... The trail may be just about 2,200 miles long, but it's only like two and a half, three feet wide, so... That's St. Croix. He's a heavy fabrication welder back home in the real world. People call it the real world, but that ain't the real world. It's just the other world. My phone, I... Like, I actually use it to contact other hikers on the trail, find out where they're at. If it wasn't for the people out here on the trail that you meet every day, it'd just be a long walk somewhere. I think we're going to stay here. A couple of hours later, laying in my tent listening to the night sounds, my dog started growling. thought of something Nutella said to me earlier in the day. I have a smartphone, Galaxy S3, 
sometimes when I'm sleeping in my tent alone, I keep it by me. It makes me feel safe. <laughs> but it's kind of a false security because I don't really get signal a lot of times. But it does make me feel safer. <laughs> Getting a really strong signal. And um, thinking about calling my mom, actually. But before I could even dial... Hello? Hi. Hi, Mom. How come it took you so long to answer? I'm sorry. <laughs> what did you have for dinner? Oh, it wasn't good, Amy. I had expensive tuna that I bought at Stu's. Even though I, I was out here in the woods, listening to my mom go on about her dinner, I, I felt like I was sitting on my couch back in Brooklyn. Amy, I kept thinking I saw worms in it. So I just had zucchini and dove bars. And I wasn't afraid anymore. Near Pauling, New York, the Appalachian Trail crosses the train tracks of the Metro North Harlem line. There's a roofed information shed showing trail maps, local flyers. I found brain damage and Big Spoon here, sheltering from the rain, and we talked about getting away from it all over the sounds of traffic from nearby Route 22. Uh, I'm brain damage. I'm Big Spoon. And I have my cell phone because, like... I had not even planned on bringing a cell phone, but, I, didn't I mean, you definitely want to call your family, like, yeah. you want to stay in touch. My parents are kind of, or my mom is a huge worrier, so she um, has a spot device for my dad, one of those, like, GPS locators, and so she, like, forced me to take it on the trail, and... I, I just left it at home because I wasn't using it. We're so close to roads every day. We're so close to town. I always have cell phone service. Like, Especially here in the north. I'm not trying to experience the wilderness. Like, that's not why I'm here. Like, I know what the wilderness is like. It's not this, so. But, like, when you're by yourself, I mean, it's definitely, like, compared to Into the Wild, where he says, like, happiness isn't real, like, unless it's shared kind of deal. He says that, and, like, it's so true. So far, most of the hikers I had met were in their 20s. Getting away from it all wasn't part of their plan. Maybe it was a generational thing. My trail name is Four Trees. I am 67. Well, my trail name is Sticks. And how old are you? I'm 65. Baby. Yeah, I'm a baby. <laughs> we're pretty old out here. <laughs> there aren't many people that are... We haven't uh, met anybody older than us yet. We've met a couple near our age, but we haven't met anybody older this year. We're the oldest ones trekking along so far. Sticks and four trees were hiking the trail in sections, doing a little bit each year. This year, they plan to go from Pennsylvania to New Hampshire. In Virginia, we're at, and I don't know whether you say it, McAfee or McAfee Ledge. It's the most picturesque ledge on the AT. I get up there, and they're all sitting there texting their friends. And I'm thinking, okay, I just don't get it. I would just sit, as I did, and just look at the valley. And they're all on their iPhones. So I thought, okay... I'm a different generation. I just am. I have a cell phone and a mini. And the mini we use to text back and forth with our spouses. Um, we also download some movies. So on a rainy night when there's nothing else going on, we can watch a movie in the tent. So out here, I, I probably use the mini and the iPhone more than I would at home. Now it was really starting to rain. And even though, according to my phone, it wasn't even 5 o'clock... My dog and I started looking for a place to pull off the trail, set up the tent, and dry off. I also saw I had a voicemail from my mom, and I should probably call her back. Was all this technology a problem? Can't be a problem. It's life. 
and that's just the way things are and you're not going to change it so you'll just learn to adapt you know things change all the time when benton mckay suggested the creation of the appalachian trail back in 1921 he wrote life for two weeks on the mountaintop would show up many things about life during the other 50 weeks down below so on my second night getting back to nature in the woods on west mountain above pauling new york listening to the rain on the tent I snuggled up in my sleeping bag with my dog, leaned back against my pack, and watched a movie on my iPhone until my battery ran out. Into the Woods, cell phone, iPod and all, was produced by Amy Pearl and was originally broadcast on WNYC. This next piece was my absolute favourite Little Mermaid entry. It's not really a story, but more a short portrait. In it, we meet Sparrow Harrison, a British aristocrat who gives us a tour of his ancestral home in North Wales and shares his philosophy on life. This is a song sung by Dame Clara Butt called Catherine Manorvine, or some, some such pronunciation of that. OK, I can... Oh no, gosh, wait, wait. Hang on, I'll go back. Okay, now. We're we're in the um, in the the dining room, which has off it a little bit of a disco. These are these are pictures in a a mirror frame. And, and there's invitations, one or two sort of posh invitations to the, to the Duke of Hamilton's um, daughter's wedding. Uh, looking at a picture, actually, two pictures here, which are both of my great-great-great-uncle, John Christopher Harrison, who commanded the Royal Welsh Fusiliers. And down here you've got some stuffed game birds, there's a, a Napoleon Camel Corps helmet, which was looted by my grandfather. And um, it's Snoop Doggy Dog, who I, I think, because I was a great fan of Dr. Dre, and the, the Snoop poster is just Snoop Doggy Dog. He's got a slightly arrogant, cheeky face, and uh, he was uh, quite a fun guy, I always thought. And I think it's a rather good, good poster to have alongside my parents, pictured by Lenoir. I'm going to play you uh, 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 something that you, you, you actually won't have heard before. But this is by a group called the, uh, the Savage Skulls. <clears throat> That's, that's what my life is, I suppose. An extraordinary variety. And I, I just enjoy variety. Hi. 
Variety was produced by Leo Hornack and was first presented at a live event by our London friends in the dark. Which, if you're ever in London or Manchester or Bristol, you should definitely look them up and see if they have any live listening events going on because they do some really, really cool stuff. You've been listening to the Third Coast Podcast. Support for this podcast comes from Transistor, offering a curated selection of electronics, records, books and more, as well as weekly live music performances and regular film screenings. More information at TransistorChicago.com. We'll be back on the podcast next week with a brand new episode of ReSound. In the meantime, you can write us a review on iTunes or stop by our website, thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can dig through our audio library or pick up some holiday gifts in our shop. We've got brand new knit caps with Pidgey on them that will keep those listening ears nice and toasty all winter long. As always, thanks for listening.